I am incredibly confident in saying at minimum, if if not more than this, 95% of my female friends have been in a situation where they had to adjust something they were about to say, the tone they were going to say it in to make sure they weren't put in physical danger or to get some physical blowback from a man that was trying to talk to her or in her, you know, personal space. So my first question, can you think back at what age your earliest recollection of when you might've been taught or told to accommodate a boy's feelings and who told you that? Hey, and welcome to My Vagina Hurts, a podcast putting a new spin on the phrase, my head hurts. Because let's be honest, sometimes what life throws at you when you're a professional mother, partner, and friend doesn't just make your head hurt. Are we professional podcast producers? No. But do we have a reputation for oversharing in public? Yes. So join us, your hosts, Kelly Cummins, Courtney Laverdane, and myself, Devin McNally, as each week we release a new episode on topics like what babies did to our sex life, how women's organizations are mostly cults, and how bad sex can lead to death. You know, all the topics your grandma told you never to bring up at the dinner table. Hi, and welcome to My Vagina Hurts. I'm Devin. And I'm Kelly. I'm Courtney. Okay, so today's episode, it's all about big feelings and a man's big feelings, to be more exact. This came up because I sent a TikTok uh, to you guys that I came across by at the darn chat. And she talks about how as young girls were sort of taught in order to be safe in the world, we always need to prioritize the feelings and reactions and emotions of the men and boys around us. But it's not so outwardly or blatant like that type of teaching. It's just ingrained in everything you you learn as a young girl all the way through adulthood. And I really just wanted to talk about it. I was sort of enraged and sad um, watching a two-minute TikTok. And so I figured that's what we're going to talk about today. So to start... I'm going to play the little, a little portion of the TikTok and then we'll kick it up. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, danger. If I push back against men, even when they are actively hurting me, if, if they do something that knowingly harms me, I get my ass grabbed. If I say anything, I could get the shit beat out of me. If I say anything to piss a man off, I could get fucking raped, picked up, murdered. I am put in physical danger by making a man feel embarrassed. And then when it's somebody in close proximity to me at work or a relationship I'm in or a friend, if I embarrass them, if I call them out for doing something wrong, that reflects poorly on me. All right. There's a whole bunch more in that clip, but I just wanted to do that, that little section. So before our male listeners roll their eyes, everybody take a beat. I am incredibly confident in saying at minimum, if if not more than this, 95% of my female friends have been in a situation where they had to adjust something they were about to say, the tone they were going to say it in to make sure they weren't put in physical danger or to get some physical blowback from a man that was trying to talk to her or in her you know, personal space. And I could I could list many personal examples myself. So my first question, can you think back 
at what age your earliest recollection of when you might have been taught or told to accommodate a boy's feelings and who told you that? Uh, mine goes back to when I was a young child, as early as I can remember. Um, my mom would tell me and my siblings that we had to behave or if when my dad got home and we were acting crazy and making life difficult, let's say, um, we would get the belt. So we were li literally scared of when my dad would walk in the door, if we had been quote unquote bad kids that day, that he would hit us. And um, I don't know if that was to accommodate his feelings, because I know the backstory of how my mom grew up was that she was expected as soon as her dad walked in the door to not make a sound. So I think that that was her carrying over some of that baggage from her childhood. Um, and then another example is um, to accommodate like my, uh, another man's feelings was my grandfather's. So my mom wanted us to like be on super good behavior when, uh, when my grandfather would come to visit because he lived a couple hours away. And it was like, we were threatened to behave or we, the consequences would come down on us. Um, and it was all in the, all to make sure that my grandfather saw us in the good light and didn't make things uncomfortable for him while he was mm -hmm. visiting. Mm. And so this is like back to when I was young, young, like as young right. as I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That is, is really interesting. And it definitely, um, brings back a lot of memories about a lot of things about, you know, being brought up, but I don't remember specific instances, but I definitely remember starting in elementary, as young as elementary school, the brush off comments of like, oh, he's picking on you because he likes you yeah. or, oh, you know, boys are, are rough and you just have to, you know, be careful or, you know, whatever, just about like them either pushing and shoving on the playground or picking on you or, you know, taunting any of that stuff was always portrayed in the light of that's how they are. And it's more like a fact of life. So you just need to understand that that's just how they are. Yeah, the boys will be boys. Yeah. Sentiment. Yeah. Would you say that those statements in general typically came from the women in around you, like whether it be a female teacher or your mother or a grandmother, or was it like a father figure or, you know, can you guys recall any of that? For me, it was definitely the women in my life and my mom specifically. Yeah, I... I was trying to wreck my brain if there was ever an instance where I felt like a man specifically told me that I needed to behave a certain way in, you know, in order like to perpetuate this behavior, yeah. but no, it was mostly women. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there were definitely some instant, there were definitely some instances where there were, you know, male family members who perpetuated those kind of things. But what I will say is that the majority of those instances had less to do with gender and more to deal with children in general of like to your point Kelly of like 
all the children need to be quiet. All the children need to leave the mm-hmm. adults alone. We're having, you know, a party or cocktail hour or something. So it wasn't so much about, you know, girls need to be doing this. It was more about kids in general. Um, so the things that came to me about gender, I would say came from my mom, but that was more because I I went to her with the issue. You know, yeah. so it was like if a boy was picking on me, I was more prone to talk to my mom about it than I was to talk to my dad about it. Yeah. I I asked that because when I look back, I got a lot of the advice when I was young, like under eight years old, right? Of the boys picking on you, he likes you, or that type of um, don't be mean or just, you know, ignore him and, you know, those types of things from my mom, those were sort of ways she would get me out of those situations or get me, you know, to think about it differently. And in the same vein, I had my dad say things like, well, if he touches you, punch him in the face. And like, there was no shying away from that. But I also got things from my mom going, we're just not going to tell your dad this, or we're not going to do these things or hush, hush, stop crying and yelling because you're going to wake your dad up like that same. And my dad would never have recognized this being emotion, men's emotional immaturity issues. Like he wouldn't have said, oh, it's because boys don't talk about their feelings. Screw that. Like that's not, that would have been too far into the weeds for him. But it was sort of interesting to me to go, oh my God, my dad had no clue. Like he just wouldn't face that type of conversation at that point um, in his life. But okay. So um, what environment do you think you had most of those interactions under the age of let's go 18? So before you went out to college or moved out, right? So were you, would you say that you had a lot more tone policing happening on your end or accommodations of boys and harassing and the, the, all those things happening in school settings and social friend circles and family homes? This was pre real internet. I mean, there was some AOL yeah. chat rooms and some MySpace situations, but lots of texting, T9 texting. So actually, you know, it's yeah. funny, all of my interactions and kind of instances where I'm where I'm recollecting back about this topic specifically actually didn't really come to a head until college Mm. so I think that but did you get any advice pre-college to manage the things happening in college like were you warned don't do x walk with this here's pepper spray or you know those types of Um, yeah, definitely. But what I will say is that, and maybe this is just because I had two brothers, two younger brothers. So in our household, I felt that my mom was always teaching all of us and it was never in the, and maybe this is just a testament to my mom and the type of person that she is. It was never a gender thing. It was like my mom. So my mom was retired from the Department of Corrections. So she was always teaching us like pressure points, takedowns. And it was never if a man tries to grab you mm-hmm. or like kids, if somebody tries to kidnap you or hurt you, these are the things that you do. And so I do think that that had to do with just the fact that it was like 
there were there was a girl and two boys. We were all fairly close in age, and my mom just wanted to equip us all. But she was also very ahead of her time in, I think, her mindset about gender equality. So maybe she was reacting on some of that of like, I'm not just going to take my daughter aside. I want everybody to have this conversation. Yeah, I have zero memory of getting any type of advice on how to handle any of it. Like I, I know, like I never had my mom explain to me that I needed to approach the world differently because I was a girl. And she may say that's because she didn't want me to feel like I needed to, but I think that it really didn't give me, it set me up for failure, really. Like it, it was like the ignorance of, my ignorance was what made me have a for very promiscuous teenage years, like all of that, because I didn't have any type of concept that I should have protection or I should act differently. I learned by bad shit happening to me. Right. So obviously my own child, I'm very aware of so much awareness uh, and what I'm teaching her. Yeah. I was never outwardly taught like, because you're a girl, you do X, Y, and Z, but I was never actually taught that, you know, it's because of the lack of emotional maturity in men that you need to know these skills or that you present this way or you get out of a situation this way. It was always wrapped up in this is how you do these things or we as a group do these things. And it was more just the underpinning of the behavior I was raised in of like, don't make a scene. Like you're not supposed to go and cause this big thing. The idea is either don't put yourself in that situation, ideal moment, or um, get out as fast as you can. But it was never a transparent conversation of, look, boys aren't taught about their feelings. This is why you're going to have to face this. This is how you do it. So I carried, like when I started to hit those things happening in our later adult years, I would blame myself or I would blame you go through the, you know, mental circle, right? Well, the Good Men Project did a study and it found that men and women trigger shame in one another unconsciously through their interactions. And so as we go into our adulthood, where we started to have a lot of those interactions, before we get into some hard examples from college and the gross examples from college, what about right now? So do you guys, can you think about the relationships in the last, you know, five to 10 years where the behavior you were taught, the behavior men are typically taught has sort of collided and what some of those examples really are and, you know, where that shame trigger could be. An example for me is there are certain topics that even if I bring up to John now, I could get a defensive or a condescending response back. And so I avoid it. I don't feel like dealing with it all the time. So I absolutely navigate around those things. That happens today, 2023. I think that there is, there's so much to me, at least outside of gender that we do to placate. And that has more to do with family upbringing, I think, than necessarily gender of like, 
oh, you know, you don't, I don't want to make, I don't want to make this person mad. You know, you do it's, it. You learn that as early as possible with your friends. It's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to say this because I know that this makes them upset and I don't want to make them upset. Um, I do think that, you know, parenting, especially parenting girls makes all of it come to a head because I am constantly trying to police my own inherent reactions to the things that my kids do and make sure that I'm not treating them too much differently because of their gender. And I'm trying to police Russell and how he's reacting to the kids and trying to make sure that it's not too much based on a response because of gender, because all of that definitely um, is what kind of shapes the way that you view the world. And of course, I want my girls to learn how to protect themselves and be safe. But I also don't want them to grow up with all that heavy stuff that I think we had to grow up with of just how you're supposed to be and do and act and all that like the expectation that boys will be boys. So like you don't expect them to be better. You just live within the means of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching my delivery for as long as I can remember. This topic in general brings up a lot of stuff for me. Um, There's separating for a reason, right? Um, There's a lot of tiptoeing around a lot of topics, having to play scenarios over in my head over and over and over again, practicing how conversations would go, delivering things with extreme caution, yet still always somehow finding a way to like be responsible for the emotional breakdown that ensued, Mm -hmm. not my own emotional breakdown. So, um, I, yeah, I have a very different perspective on that part of it, which leans more into where it wasn't the physical is more like the emotional, mental abuse side of it. Yeah. Yeah, Like you navigate or have to manage the emotional reaction after the initial conversation, whereas it never goes the other way. Like, cause when you're the emotional one, it's your emotional, your crazy, your PMSing, your this. You know, but when it's back, it's, you don't let me be emotional. You aren't letting me say what I feel. It's, it's a no win situation, period. Yeah. yeah. And any, any emotion or feeling that he had in response to something that I brought up or something that was concerning to me or made me feel a certain way, like, God forbid, I have an emotion that I, that I need support with, like, like that was totally on my, totally on me, my responsibility. I had to handle it. No support. But if I triggered something or wasn't willing to absorb the emotion that right. was uncomfortable for him, even if I had no, even if I wasn't involved in the triggering of that emotion, if I couldn't hold, I was expected to absorb it and, and hold it and be responsible for it for him. And that I mean, that's a parent-child relationship right there, if I've yeah. ever heard one. Right. Healthy right. one. <laughs> Not um, spouse. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, inherently, I knew that was wrong. It just took me a long time to, like, un- like, get out of it. But, you know, if I look back at my parents' relationship, that's pretty accurate. How, you know, I kind of perpetuated something without even trying. 
Um, yeah, I will say nothing irritated me more in college than when dudes fought. Like I hated it. I was so annoyed. I hated it when John did it for, it didn't matter if it was about me or not. I hated it. I was like, ew, how immature, honestly, this is where we're at. Like I never understood that. I never was the physical fighter for things. That's just not how my emotions came out. So I stand by that today. I don't get it. I find it embarrassing Mm -hmm. if you are an adult and you want to fist fight somebody like I find that to be absolutely ridiculous. So I've never been the woman that was like, fight over me and the winner gets it like that. I'm like, nah, bye. Like I'm fine. So when we look at or talk about sort of shame and, you know, us sort of bearing, well, at least Kelly and I bearing the brunt of most of that, you know, accommodating the men in our circles. Um, Brene Brown, who I know you both know, talked a lot about how shame and vulnerability are, are sort of tied together. And she said that shame and vulnerability, um, manifest differently for men and women. Messages of shame are organized around gender. So for women, she said, there's a whole constellation of often contradictory expectations that if not met are sources of shame. Um, But for men, the overarching message is that any weakness is shameful. And since vulnerability is often perceived as a weakness, it is too risky for men to practice that which then puts everybody in a spiral. So if you combine that notion with the way that men are taught that anger is the only emotion that is acceptable to be public, right? That is something that shows how masculine you are, how manly you can be. So if you put that along with do not show any other form of emotion as a man, you sort of get where we're still at today. Bunch of angry dudes, bottling up all the things and bursting out at the seams. Yes. You know, we we see the same type of person doing all the school shootings. We see the same type of person doing all of the sexual assault and harassment of college females, murdering of college females, the same people doing the murdering of the spouses. It is consistent. Mm-hmm. And yet we're not really talking about that pattern at all because god forbid so and to be and fair you know what i think it's really interesting about that something that just kind of hit me is it's often not that the mothers of those people didn't want to parent or raise them in a different way it's that they sometimes felt overpowered at worst or default at best to the man of the house. Mm. And so what ends up happening is the man of the house says, I know what's, I know how to raise this boy. I know what's mm-hmm. best. And they end we up. We don't repeating. cry. We don't do that. They like, repeat every, all of the yeah, bad yeah. habits that they were. Yeah. Done. But when you look at all of the social commentary around any mass tragedy, not not just shootings, but any assault, anything in the news, the go-to is what kind of mother did they have? 
Right. And it's like and they had a fine mother. What kind of father did they have? Right. That is just something that um, immediately it's now the mother's responsibility again yeah. to manage the emotional reaction and roller coaster of a man's behavior um, in general. It's just sort of this systematic thing. And women are systematically now a part of it, not only from the part you just talked about, but also from the romantic angle. Because if you look at all the 90s, 2000 rom-coms, there is no overtly emotional man in that, that all the women gravitate towards. It's the strong man that either has a bar fight and is like, you know, fixed up by the girl at the bar, or it's all the same story. So we're taught, like, you don't want a man that cries all the time. You know, you don't want somebody that's overtly needy or, you know, shows this softer side. And I don't know about you, but I can, I have some specific examples of when I was like, oh, he cried too much. I'm out. <laughs> like, I was young and dumb, but still, um, in college, were you gravitating toward the same type of men? Oh, Kelly, you were already with um, past one. Yeah, m- maybe. Um, I think that the the people I like were quote unquote popular, and so I think that manifests in a few different ways. You know, I some of it's macho, but some of it can be more like char- charisma. You know. Mm-hmm. But Can you think I, of any examples where you where you were in a position that you needed to either get out of, check somebody when you were younger, so under 27, right? Where you actually, you know, were at a bar, somebody hit on you and you turned them down and had to navigate through that. Oh, yeah, all the time. When I got to college, because I went to a very small Catholic school. And we, we all, you know, knew each other from growing up. It's like, there's a handful of feeder Catholic schools that we all went to. And then we all end up in the same high school. So it's maybe like four or five groups of us that all end up in the same place and have known each other since kindergarten. So I didn't have a lot of those same experiences of just like, dealing with somebody who you kind of know on the periphery because we all knew each other so well. So then when I got to college, it was like, all of a sudden I am dealing with all these different people who I don't know. And I have always been, had a very strong sense of self and all the things that I'm guessing people had heard a lot. I'm hearing for the first time in my life, people like, expecting me to respond when they speak to me asking me why I'm not smiling (laughs) and I'm floored because I college was the first time in my life that I'd experienced any of that and I was like what is happening like how many times do you guys think you've been asked in your lifetime thus far to smile or something equivalent oh hundreds yeah I couldn't yeah I feel like I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't told. Yeah. Smile more. Yeah. Yeah. In college, I would just ignore them. Like typically I was walking to class. It was easy just to like ignore and keep walking. Um, I will say that not often lately, but it has absolutely happened in the past five years since I've had children. I 
was in the grocery store once and this guy was like you look tired and I was like I have three kids like I almost went off like he immediately regretted this (laughs) (laughs) I have three kids are you freaking kidding me like I'm exhausted do you want to give me a hand and he was like uh yeah that's the audacity right there yeah yeah I didn't gain the confidence to be in those situations. And it still depends on the situation. I guess you have to read the room, right? Of challenging back, being catcalled on the street or being passed in a, on the street where somebody makes like a, oh, you're beautiful. You should smile more type of comment. I used to just smile and keep walking, like panic and just keep walking. Now I have a slightly different reaction, but I still find myself having to navigate, you know, some of those reactions, especially if I'm alone or walking back to my car in a parking garage. Like there are things that you inherently as a woman don't get the freedom to do. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't. Yeah. yeah, And I wish I could say that after all these years of experiencing it, that I felt like that I have become numb to it or immune, but every time something like that happens, it triggers me the same way. Like yeah, I, maybe, maybe I can like repress it quicker, but it still is like the same fear that mm-hmm. like fear button is pushed inside of me and it's the same reaction at 36 as it was when I was mm-hmm. however young six was maybe the first time I was yeah. going to smile more and that's yeah. scary right it's frustrating it's like super frustrating because I will get a lot of um comments or like notes from male friends about like well they're an ass or those examples they're the work like they're these you know outliers that do this crazy shit and I actually don't think that's the case. I honestly feel like it is, it is all men. They don't always realize when it is because the comments like you can't take a joke or I was just kidding. That is in the same vein mm-hmm. of that. It's the same like 2016 Trump locker room talk of all the women were like, this is appalling. And all the men were like, well, all guys talk like that. It's locker room talk. Like, it's not that big of a deal. He didn't do it. You know, it's this whole conversation. So now we're all raising daughters, right? There's only so much we can do without burdening them with, you know, all men are the worst, avoid them all type of (laughs) mentality, right? And I'm a realist, but I don't want her to have to accommodate everyone else. Like it irritates the shit to me. Yeah. I know. I don't know what, what do we do from here? Does the future solely rely on parents raising boys? Is, yeah. is everything in the hands of that? I think so, because even as you, as you, as you make that statement, the closest parallel I can draw is, is the concept of like, I'm raising a black son. Do I want him to be terrified of the police? No. Does he need to be? Yes. Is anything I can do 
going to be the solution? No. Is the solution policing changing? Yes. (laughs) So it's like, we're in this circle, I think, with so many things in our society that no, but we that don't work have can't to be on you this way, but what are we going like, to do? I look at that going, all right. So if you are a mother who has a son, the work actually can't just be on you. It has to be on the father and the men, even if we don't like, I don't have a son, but the example for Lucy of what to expect and what to, you know, demand comes from her father so and there I think has what's to be challenging a big is change that we all we especially as parents we all want to change and do better I think it's difficult for any parent a mom or a dad to make a full 180 change from the way that they were raised right I think that if the best case scenario is both parents are on the same page and doing the best they can to get, you know, further, better from where they were. But it's not going to be 100%. Okay, so have you guys noticed the trend at all about the redefining of masculinity where you're seeing a lot of seemingly married men uh, talk about what it takes to be a real man about being more emotionally, you know, vulnerable and talking about your feelings. And then the polar opposite of that extreme also being talked about. And I'm going to say the same volume of thing, like there's just everywhere on both sides. And there's probably equal amount of women creators on both sides of that conversation as well. Have you guys noticed that? Yes. I feel like everything you see is one extreme or the other. And I do think that any conversation towards progress is going to stir up people who are afraid and want to talk about, no, don't progress. Like, let's go really far in the other direction. Yeah. Now they have a platform of social media to draw the attention of it, you know, like, yeah, with good, it's like the good and the bad of social. And the worst part is like a lot of the conversation is stemming from um, the mental load conversation for married couples or couples with kids and the inequity within a work environment or a pay gap conversation, but it's, it's so much deeper and there's so many layers that have to be sort of reworked and, you know, talked about that because there's so many I actually find myself getting nervous about bringing up all of those things at one time. Like, I feel like that is so much change to ask even the most progressive of men. And I would say, you know, John has by far done more work since Lucy's been born about understanding what that level of empathy is is and what's needed when you have you know, another little girl you're raising, but friends of ours, I, some that are single and some that are not, I feel like it's, it's almost like I'm asking them to like, let me name their firstborn child. (laughs) It's too much. Yeah. Like it's this refusal of things because they think it's all or nothing, or, you know, I don't know if you guys are getting that same feeling if you guys have that many 
you know, men sort of in the, the your social circle that you notice those types of things. Can't wait for you to date Kelly so we can ask. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't have a lot of men in my social circle, so I don't know. Um, but I will say that I think it sometimes feels to me, like if men are like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with like the crying that they feel like <laughs> if they give too much more, it's going to, who knows what's going to happen next. And I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? Like that's yeah, what yeah. I to figure out is like, do you think you're going to like become gay, but like, you're gonna, like cry too much? You're going to like, like, I just, that's what I don't get. What do yeah, you like, do you think happen? if I make more money than you, all of a sudden you're going to have to wear a scarlet letter on your chest that all the men will know that you're not a breadwinner like is that yeah. a thing I don't know where sitting here trying to understand why men's feelings get hurt about this kind of stuff like and we're but we're doing it right now <laughs> we're trying to like what is it like how could and in my head like my brain is literally going to like how could we make it easier for them like what <laughs> What could we do to like give them pieces of information so they can babysit? But like, that's like, that's so bad. <laughs> yeah. So the ultimate question, should we be responsible for this? Should we be, oh. you know, the ones that are working to make our lives safer and easier by basically teaching, no, you know, emotional but things? Here's the thing. The chickens aren't going to sit around and like hope the wolf you know comes to his senses that's just not the way things work <laughs> so just like anything that we've done throughout time um you know it's like with politics you're not just going to sit and say oh maybe they'll have a change of heart <laughs> no you have to you have to speak up and you have to fight for what you want and fight for what you know is right and so as much as i think we would love for men to have this, you know, personal awakening. <laughs> yeah. It would be a little naive of us to, yeah. with all the examples throughout the history of time to think people don't just evolve magically. There has to be a catalyst. And oftentimes it's some other voice becomes the catalyst of this is why things need to change. I mean, what's funny though is like there is data and science that flat out say that when men don't embrace their emotions, it leads to lower academic scores and lower advancement in careers and less um, successful marriages. Like the numbers in the science is already there and been proven out and yet still ignored at the and the excuse is that's just how boys are. Men are men. And the science is going not true, <laughs> inaccurate. It's sort of this weird paradigm that I find myself going, well, I don't, I don't know where the line is, right? Obviously, safety is a thing, but there is power in numbers. There's more women, especially younger women who are like done, not getting married, not dating, don't care. And if that holds out good for them. Yeah. You know, like I totally get that. Yeah. Basically next steps, Kelly, you have to be our guinea pig and start figuring <laughs> out, are these men actually evolving? Yeah. I mean, 
from what I can see. No. No. <laughs> um, I mean, so right now I'm reading a book called How to Date Men When You Hate Men. So that's <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. one. <laughs> so that's where we are. <laughs> but I I don't know. I, I go to so like the patriarchy is it is what it is. It we we are in this system that I feel like as women, no matter how loud we scream, it's not going to change unless men give a shit. Right. And they have to like actually give a shit. Enough of them have to give a shit. Right. To make a change. And it's like when the word feminist became much more popular over the past, it was, you know, it's always been around, but I feel like in the past five, 10 years with all of the social movements and things happening, it's become more loud and with the abortion thing happening too. I remember saying feminist to Jason for the first time. And he was like, he went so extreme, like, oh, you're going to be running around naked and like protesting. Like, no, (laughs) no. And then it's like, so, and then it's the, when Black Lives Matter became a thing, it was everyone who was anti that was like so extreme to like, oh wait, all lives matter. Like it's the people who need to give a shit are the ones not giving a shit and we, they need to give a shit to make a change. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, yeah, I agree that obviously it's like the people who care about the causes aren't the problem Yeah, and it's hard to get people who don't care and yes. not only don't care but are willing to go against it to come around yeah like I went to a it was a cranes event um at the Detroit Athletic Club it was a power breakfast I think it's what they branded it and it was a women panel so it was for in March so it was for Women's History Month and all the women badass women who are making moves told their stories it was great the room was packed. It was a sold out event. It was packed with women. And there was maybe five guys in the audience. And as much as their message was great, and I enjoyed the conversation and listening to it, I walked out of there thinking, how many fucking times do we have to sit through these same conversations? Right. That event was thousands of dollars to put on. And, you know, everybody paid for their ticket, but like, and the networking, of course, is an angle there too. But goddamn, like, how many times do we have to sit through these events where we're preaching to the fucking choir? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. and so I was like, God, could we do like a, an event where we like poise it as a business event and we invite a bunch of men to it? And then, like, it's a women panel up there and we right. approach them and <laughs> we're like, so, like, you need to make a change. <laughs> honestly, I am waiting for a company to have the the guts to actually put on a panel that they know the industry is going to gravitate if you only say this is what the content is right and the natural organic audience is going to be mostly men specifically in any of our fields right and they don't announce the speakers until that day and it is not even all women i'll take all, almost all women. Mm-hmm. I'll have a male. Listen, I want a male moderator and like a female panel. That would be ideal in my my situation. Um, and I want to understand the reaction or the energy in the room because yes. I do think there's a lot of men that will say I absolutely support X, Y, and Z. And I do know some that absolutely support those things directly to me. 
I don't know from an outward or very vocal standpoint where that goes, right? But I always see, and I even had recently a woman who I greatly admire, literally dumb herself down on purpose and blatantly saying she did it to appease a man's ego in a work environment going, well, we can't really say that we will say this. And then they plus me in because they'll know, like, I will come in and just say something. Right. And I'm going, why are you doing that to yourself? Just so he's not mad. He's wrong. He is wrong. And I will tell him that it's fine, but like, you shouldn't feel like you have to do that. He's not like a boss of yours. He's not like, he's a peer. And even if he is a boss, like it's, <laughs> it's, it anyway. it's so insane to me. The baby step I've been told more times in the last five years, like make them feel a part of the decision and make their, well, don't call their baby ugly, which tone matters. Delivery matters. But if I'm only getting that direction for men, mm-hmm. that seems odd. And that's, you know, it's like, don't, don't give me that feedback if it's only because of an interaction with a man. Right. Like what feedback are you giving him? None. You know, like, are you teaching grown ass adults to take feedback from women without having an emotional response, you know, being hysterical, (laughs) God forbid, you know, I don't know. It's one of those, we could go down lots of rabbit holes over here around some of that. So, you know, I know this was a heavy topic, but what do we do from here? In my opinion, it's getting our male friends, colleagues, peripheral folk that we interact with to truly understand the difference, the in a moment difference, where if you save me with an act of violence, you're actually doing the same thing. It doesn't, that's not helpful. So you fighting a dude at a bar isn't going to do it. It's not helping. But what do you guys think? What do we do? I think the, you know, which is, this is a hard thing to make happen. But ideally what happens is the men who are open to all these learnings and really wanting to make change and change themselves and change the future, they have to have sons. (laughs) Like, which is like that, you know, it's, that's difficult to. to They don't have the sons, Courtney, it's the women. So like, I would have to birth another baby. I know you guys need to have sons. John would get to have sex and I would have to birth and raise a baby. (laughs) Well, I'm not having any more children. Like that just seems like once again. The women have to do shit. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> we do always have to have the have the babies. Aww. But I think that um even if we're not the if, even if we're not the ones having the sons, we as feminists need to make sure we're befriending families that have boys in the families so we can we can intercept. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> If, you know, if I'm friends with you and you have a son, then we will interact and you can come over and, you know, 
our lives can be intertwined in that way. And, and we can hopefully start to slowly make some change. Kelly, what are your thoughts? I don't, I don't have any, any solutions right now. I'm, I'm just exhausted by having to do it. I just want them to give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just want, I am genuinely scared for yeah. Lucy. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much anger from men towards women, especially women that are more independent or not as reliant and that she shouldn't have to do what I did. I'm already up what I did. I'm already witnessing Sage having to go through it firsthand. Mm. She's in situations where she has emotional range. You know, she's not status quo. She's going high or going low or anger, whatever, which direction that goes. And is being told it's your problem and it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By and someone I- who should be helping her manage that. Yeah. And I think that's what's tough is at the end of the day, our children have to go out into the world and deal with other family members, um, care providers, educators, and we are not always around to buffer Mm -hmm. what the reaction is going to be from any other authority figure in their lives. And that's when it gets tough. Yeah. And that's, it makes me so sad and frustrated that at not even 10 she's having statements are coming out of her mouth that I was saying as an adult Mm. Mm. and I feel like I'm doing as as outward and as supportive of her to be more emotionally developed than I was and give her the tools and the voice and the skill set to be able to articulate what she's feeling and she is doing that but is still in a situation where she's having this uh, mm-hmm. to navigate. And I, I mean, she's in therapy, so that, you know, therapy, if you aren't in therapy, get in therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that should be the call to action is all everyone people. Be, yes. Yes. All right. It took us a minute, it took us a minute to of, get there. Yes. Regardless of gender <laughs> and age, be in therapy yes. early and often, yeah. like just do it. Tap into your, um, you know, what do they call it on TikTok? Inner child trauma, inner, whatever that is. Um, All the traumas. All the the traumas. (laughs) All right. Well, I don't want us to keep going down the heavy rabbit hole on a fancy Wednesday night, but (laughs) we'll probably have to pick this back up since this problem is nowhere near solved, but giving you something to think about something as we raise our daughters and Courtney, your son, how do we make it different for them in the future? So to end this, since we've already sort of talked about why we're exhausted, let's end on a happy note. What are you hopeful for around something like this? What have you seen positive changes around, whether it be directly related to you and somebody personal or in general environment? I have heard from other friends who have older children that Kids these days are a lot more understanding of like gender fluidity, gender inclusivity. And that is amazing to me. And to me, that is probably one thing that I feel like has made a complete change in just one generation. And that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Love that. 
Kelly? Yeah, I think um, kids expressing their emotions is much more supported in schools Mm -hmm. than it ever was when we were kids. You know, there's, you know, beyond just like character education programs where they're talking about, you know, morals and values and how they interact with each other. um, You know, there's mindfulness practice, there's meditation, there's, um, you know, stages in Montessori. So Courtney, you are probably familiar with this too, but they have what's called a peace corner when, and that's how they do conflict resolution where they're taught how to have difficult conversations with each other from a very young age. So I think that there's these alternative education methods and some of these more, uh, more purposeful teaching about emotions that is light years ahead of where we were. And therefore our kids are learning at much younger ages, how to hold space for each other for those with those good, bad, everything in between emotions. Yeah. And I have seen grown as adult men opt in to things like therapy, opt in to heavier conversations in social settings that would normally be more light, open up about things, whether it take a long time or, or not, which gives me hope that those raising kids are going to be more open than maybe our parents were when it came to those big emotional moments, especially if they're raising little boys, you know, maybe just maybe they'll take a beat before they go, boys, don't cry, suck it up. And that to me is a positive note. If we can just keep the momentum going. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you indulging me on this yes. emotional roller coaster well, that I needed. But... <laughs> But if anybody out there sees some interesting TikToks or Instagrams, send them our way. We're happy to chat about them, as always. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on My Vagina Hurts. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that subscribe button. Do you have a cringeworthy vagina story that you want to share with us? Submit your vagina scaries on our website at myvaginahurts.com. As always, you can email us at hello at myvaginahurts.com and follow us on Instagram at mvhthepod and on TikTok at myvaginahurts. See you next time. Don't want no short dick, man.